welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, it's the only podcast offering unfiltered guidance and direct advice for all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. I am your host, Frank LaRosa, and I'm joined once again by a great guest that I've had on before, uh, Kimberly Sanders, the Senior Vice President of Business Development for LPL and their Strategic Wealth Service Model, which is a model that we've talked about on my podcast in the past. Um, it's a model that I think is um, quite interesting. And I, I asked, uh, so Kimberly, how are you doing? Welcome to the show again. Good. Nice to, nice to see you. <laughs> right. It'd be like Saturday Night Live when people celebrate, like, I have been on the show seven years, seven times. <laughs> right. So love having you on. And we, we uh, you know, we try to keep these calls at a good time slot, 30, 40 minutes. But you know, sometimes we have to cut them off because we can keep going and we have great conversations. So uh, but for my audience, for those that you you know may not um, have heard, I don't can't believe they haven't heard of my other podcast or listened to the other podcast, shame on them. Um, but they will. They'll go back and listen to it. Um, you know, I wanted you to come on again because Strategic Wealth Services is a is a, a an affiliation option at LPL that you all rolled out a few years ago, and it was I don't want to say groundbreaking, but it was a different it was a different way for an advisor to affiliate with LPL um, that gave maybe a, an advisor at a wirehouse firm that didn't want to didn't want to handle all the heavy lifting and all the nuances of building out their own office and furniture and picking out trash cans and all that good stuff. Um, it really gave them a, a, a great option. So for those listeners that don't know, or maybe, and don't know who you are and that you, you know, you, you spent some time at Schwab and, and you've been in this space for a long time. Can you just give our listeners a little bit of color on, on you and, and then, and then maybe just a little bit into the weeds on what strategic wealth services really is, and then we'll get into some what's what's been what's been going on. Awesome, great. Um, so I am Kimberly Sanders, and I am the business line owner of Strategic Wealth. And so what that means is my team is responsible for everything from the strategy to the client experience. And so said another way, like on a good day, I'm the chief architect of the model. On a bad day, I'm the single throat to choke. Um, so <laughs> I, I live and breathe this model. So I'm happy to, to just share a little bit more with you and with the listeners. And what's unique about the model? Like when people ask me, like, what is what makes it different? I always say three things, right? It's going to be the people, the pricing, and prerogative. So prerogative is, I, I think this... This is a, an interesting term and an interesting philosophy that goes across all of LPL. And it means that the, the advisor is the center of all things, right? Like it, advisor choice matters. So we want to make sure that these advisors, that they are coming, they're being introduced to options so that they make the final decision and they land exactly where it's right for them. So for example, they can come in and they can choose to be completely independent, do it yourself, everything is DIY, fantastic. 
or you can come in on the total other side of the spectrum and and want to actually shed every responsibility of the kind of the the operations and and join as an employee in the Linsco model for strategic wealth prerogative means. You can come in, you can have your FINRA licenses, and then later you can drop them. You can come in, you can outsource compliance to the corporate RIA, or later you can move in and own your own RIA, start your own RIA. Um, so like, it, it's all about that evolution and that ability to kind of start in one realm and then move move through LPL and through different affiliations as your business evolves. So, so that's one of the big reasons. That's prerogative. Um, then pricing always comes up, right? So it's a single pricing model. It's a single fee that is uh, it is based on the assets under management of the firm, and it includes everything. It includes all of the business services, all of the ticky tacky fees that that you are you normally associate with running a business. It includes ticket charges, trading, E and O, compliance, um, everything. So that single fee model is meant to keep the advisors in a zone where they're focused on their business. They're not trying to figure out what they're being charged, what their clients are being charged. So that pricing model is is different for us. And on the other side of pricing, it's also involves having transition assistance in, in the in the beginning where you're looking to somehow kind of create some stability and make sure that you're you're working with that kind of disruption that does happen with transition, right? So that that transition assistance is really critical. And then on the back end, it means you own this business. You've created equity. It is time you can monetize this business. So that pricing kind of realm, I, I think, is really different for strategic wealth because if you're going to go straight RIA, there's no you know, typically no transition assistance up front. If you're going to another wirehouse, that monetization, that ownership is different and that ongoing fee is, is different. So, uh, so that's one of our unique elements. And then third, the people. Um, that is where the magic happens for us. And you'll see those people show up in three distinct places, right? First is going to be startup and transitions because that is critical. Like you said, most of our advisors, about 75% of them come from another wirehouse. And so they're, they're saying, all right, I actually need all of this support. So I'm hyper-focused on how am I going to launch this business? So we spend time making sure that they have their legal handled, their real estate, their benefits, their branding, their marketing, all of it launching their tech with no out-of-pocket costs. So that team is there to, to do that work. Then um, you get to the, the support, right? You need to make sure that your, your CSAs, your support team is supported in this new model. So we've got a unique version of a, of a support system where it's dedicated service team members, dedicated case managers, admin support, that's an extension of your team, that kind of uh, ongoing dedicated just to strategic wealth model um, firms, that support model is there and, and it, 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 carries, it carries the weight of those operations for these firms. Then thinking forward, really, it's about that strategy team and it's the individuals that are coming in as their executive cabinet to help them really focus on 
growing this business? Where do they want it to be in five years, 10 years? What is the legacy that they're creating? And so that's your business strategist, your CFO, your marketing professional, your HR generalist, your fintech team. All of those folks are coming to the table to make sure that this business is actually growing. Because that's when you look at the character of the firm that we're talking about, that they are natural growers. That's the, that's one of the hallmarks across every single one of our firms. Yeah, I think I can see why. And when, when you first rolled it out, I, I knew this was going to be a, a big deal uh, in the wirehouse space, right? Because I think that people don't realize how many things, how many decisions are are made. And and you, you they still have to make some decisions, right? But right. You, you're all doing the heavy lifting. You, you guys are working on the real estate, helping with the design of the, you know, the, the, the office layout, design, furniture, creativity, that those types of things. Um, and then they're, you're, you're essentially writing the check on their behalf. That's right. Right. right? Exactly. So you know, they don't, uh, I guess it avoids some level of sticker shock uh, sometimes. And risk, right? I mean, like there's a, there's a, I mean, a lot of these advisors, they're so well known in their communities, right? Going out and writing checks, signing leases, like, like that's a lot of risk that they're introducing, right? So so we're we're doing a lot of that work behind the scenes, not only to avoid the sticker chalk, but also to to make sure that we're protecting their identity through the entire process. You're actually um basically writing the checks on 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 their behalf, but you're writing the checks. Yeah. Um you're you're signing the signing the lease and then and then assigning it to them once they once they come over. Yep, that's right. Got it. Okay. So this way they don't have any have to deal with any sort of outside business activity issues or anything like that. So when did Strategic Wealth Services roll out initially? So we launched uh, this is like one of my favorite stories. Like Brilliantly, we launched on April 1st in 2020, like right into the heart of the pandemic. So perfect I thought, timing. Like, perfect. Like, this <laughs> is really the kind of a headline that is going to make news in the middle of this pandemic. But that was our decision. We went for it. We had a really amazing advisor who was like, hey, I'm in. We just got to do this thing. Um, so we launched in 2020. We just celebrated our third year. Um, so that's, it's been a, it's been an exciting ride and, uh, I can give you a couple of stats if that helps kind of, yeah. kind of where yeah, well, we are. And we had one of our clients celebrate third, three years with you. So they did. Yeah. Claritas. I think they were this, you know, Claritas, they were, they were the first one to sign, but second one to join or something like that. They're right at the beginning. That's right. I always, they tease me. I say you're number two on the list. Number one in my heart. So, uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What kind of, yeah, share some stats on how things have gone and, and how it's changed. How, like, have you seen a, a, um, any difference in our expectations, like what you thought and where it is today? Cause that also, like, the beginning, there was a, there was a l- lower minimum to be part of this group. That's right. Yeah. So we have seen, we've, we've seen a lot of, um, evolution, right? Which I, I mean, you have to, right? And I, and I continue, I would expect to continue to see evolution because really, as I mentioned, the advisor is the heart of it. So we, everything we do is based on that advisor feedback. So in terms of growth, like I said, we just hit three years, 76 advisors, 31 teams, 
17 states, 15 contra firms. So it is really expanding and about um, 15 billion assets under management right now. And when you think about um, where the teams are coming from, it's a, it's a pretty good mix. Still 75% of them are coming from the wires, right? Because I, I think that this supported model really resonates and it's that startup piece is like so important that that's an easy thing for us to talk about and for advisors to say, okay, like the larger independence, like that's a lot for me to take on, but I, I can really talk about this startup piece. But then the about 25% of them are coming from already independent channels. So they are the finance, the, the Raymond James, right? Commonwealth. So it's been exciting to see them come over because they are challenging us in a different way because startup services, maybe they need a brand refresh. But other than that, they are running these businesses. They are seasoned business owners. And what they're looking for is like right now they're wearing all the hats, right? They are compliance. They are marketing. They're managing their benefits in their HR. They're doing all of the work. And they feel like like they're still you typically paying for some version of a supported model. And they're like, I'm buried, right? I can't grow because I'm buried with all of this operational. And even like I'm lacking a thought partner to, on the strategic side. So they're coming to strategic wealth to kind of ditch all of that distraction. And what we're seeing is they're like our fastest growers. Like they're right right off the gate. They're they're transition, they're transition fast, and then they are immediately focused on growth. Um, and so it's that's been an interesting dynamic for us. We had to kind of shift the way we work a little bit because typically, like you said, like what have we learned? We learned that we thought we would be doing business owner one oh one for a year, helping them get comfortable. These folks are coming in and they're like, no, 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 we need strategy. We need growth. We need inorganic opportunities right now. Um, so it just kind of it changed the way it worked. Uh, so it's been a great, that's been a great shift. So with that change, and I never, I, I didn't really know that because you're, and so for the listeners, you, you have sort of like a pod service model, right? Right. Um, so can, can you explain the pod service model? Because my question is really about that. And um, how did you shift that pod model to accommodate those people that may have already have some of those services, right? They've been using for many years, right? Like, so what is the pod model? And, uh, and then, then how did you shift it for that new sort of newfound opportunity? So the service pod model, um, which includes your service professionals, leadership, your compliance, you know, supervisor, your admin team, um, and your case manager. We call that the the client success team. We haven't had to make too much modification there outside of the advisors that are coming from an independent model. They kind of go right into that model because they're ready, right? Um, where we, we keep our wirehouse advisors there in transition a little bit longer, um, kind of getting used to kind of getting their sea legs a bit. But the the strategy pod, the strategy team, which is that CFO, the um, marketing team, fintech, business strategist, that's the team that I feel like really shifts a, a bit for this team. Because in some cases, they've got great marketing relationships. 
and they don't really want to lose them. Like I've got, I can think of one of our advisors, um, Lindsay, that she's her marketing team. Not only was she really pleased with them, but they're an incredible connection into the community for her. So like she didn't want to lose that. So what we had to do is figure out, okay, well, how do we supplement that? How do we make? How do we either save her costs because we can do some of these things in-house or how do we amplify the work that she's doing in the community so now she has basically like double the marketing support. Um, and that was a personal decision that she had made that, that that relationship was really important. So that's the, I think the beauty of independence and that we are always trying to say like, you own this, like you own it. We're going to help you run it. But you're the one that's in control. You're making the decisions. And if that's how you want to run marketing, we're going to figure out how to, to take our resources and bolster that strategy. So that's, I think, one big difference. The other big difference is on the recruiting side. So, um, again, like these teams are ready to recruit right away. So we are bringing in our strategists to talk about what is what are we trying to do? Are you trying to acquire? Are you trying to bring in a junior advisor? Are you trying to bring in, you know, other advisors to grow the the strength of your team or the specialties that you can offer? Then we bring our marketing teams in and we do all of that work. And you and I've talked about it before, all of the work on the pitch book, on the pro formas, on the offer letters to make sure that they are ready to have that conversation. And then on the, the CFO is there working with them to see what should we pay these folks? Is this a solid valuation? Are you overpaying? If you are overpaying, is there a reason for it? And, and they're that kind of accountability partner in that that challenger, right? To make sure you're making the right decision and you're not just being enamored by an opportunity. Um, and so those teams really come in right away and start like almost that is their kickoff. That is their kickoff strategy conversation versus let's talk about how are we going to manage things through the next, you know, first couple months of, of being independent. Right. Yeah. Being a, a business owner, they already know how to lead. They already, they have a team, um, I, I did a podcast recently with um, Steve and Drum as a Navy SEAL Master Chief, and uh, we talked about leadership and new leadership because I think that there's this wave of W-2 advisors that have practices and they're practitioners and they have an assistant or maybe they have a couple, but they're they're sort of managing them. They're not necessarily leading them because they have the manager and all that other stuff. And coming into this space, many of them are, you know, all of a sudden everyone's looking to them to make those decisions and um, they're becoming, they have to become leaders. And so I, I, those types of teams that you're talking about are already doing that. So, um, yeah, it's like, uh, it's, yeah, their learning curve is, I guess, much, 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 much quicker. Yeah. They're trying to be like, all right, we got this stuff. Like, what's that? Like, take what's us, next? impress yeah. me. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Impress me. Right. But so talking about, um, I noticed that, you know, over the, over, uh, the last few months this year, I'll just say, you've had some pretty big announcements. Um, and I'd like to for you to talk a little bit about, and you know, you don't have to use names if you don't want, it's up to you. Some of them um, are in the billion dollar range in terms of AUM. Um, I, I would love for you to talk to my audience about, you know, why though, and give some insight, and again, not in, in anything confidential, but, you know, why do you think that those types of advisors, um, billion dollar plus teams chose uh, a model like strategic wealth services over 
you know, basically a team of that size has any option they want, right? Um, they can go RIA, they can go direct affiliation to LPL, um, they they can do a ton of different things. But if you have some insight, I think that would be really, really cool to hear from your from you know from from your mouth, like why you had that the, the success there. So you're right. So we've had, you can see the center of gravity for strategic wealth moving over time. So right now we're about 500 million as the average team size. And part of that is because of those $3 billion teams that have come over in in the last year or so. And they each came, it's interesting because there's not one answer there. Um, So I'll I'll just kind of think in in terms of the, the different teams that we're working with. One is absolutely, it's a young team and they have got an incredible support staff, like a really high functioning professional staff. They didn't come over with, um, with the, the, you know, a typical administrative staff helping the clients. They've actually got planners and marketing folks. They, like, they were, they were a well formed team at the wire. So like they're a unique team that had come over. And the way I look at it for them. Would you mind, can you say where they came from? Just Yeah, uh, they came from Wells. Okay. Yep, they came from Wells. Um, and so what if you think about what they're trying to do, they are they're looking to like I don't know, it's like a they're coming out of a cocoon, right? They're like, okay, we have been primed and ready. They had been building all of these um, these services like that, that they just couldn't execute and all these plans that they just couldn't execute in the confines of the wire. So when they they went out the gate and they are so, so these were to W these were W two Wells team, not a finite team. No, W two Wells team, little over a billion dollars. Not only did they launch, but they launched with two tuckins at the exact same time. So it was like they like they took their team and then they grew it within that same launch period. And so it was a a completely different experience for them. Um, They are looking to build out a a beautiful new space. And we can talk, that's one of the things that's new is kind of our real estate offering, building out a beautiful new space to really create a brand that is going to be a legacy for them in their market. Um, lots of desires on marketing and communication, you know, communicating with their clients in a different way, in a more um, constant way, looking at improved technology and financial planning. One of the, the great things that they have found in independence is the flexibility to charge for financial planning. So that's some of the the kind of the aha for them as, as they are now evolving their practice. So that's that's them. That's their reason. Would I be surprised down the road if they end up with their own RIA? I would not, right? Because they've got a long runway of of just kind of staying in this business, owning um, owning the business. So I think there's evolution. That's okay at LPL? Yep. Yep. That's one of the new things. So I guess I'll pivot. I'm going to come back to your other team, but there's two, like two really... Um, two new big announcements, and I'm kind of hinting at them right now. So one of them is um, we just launched Strategic Wealth Hybrid. So the services that I've been talking about, where you're able to you know sit on top of the corporate RIA and make sure that you are outsourcing that risk and that compliance to LPL, 
we've now said we're going to take all of those services and support and we're going to put it on top of your own RIA. So if that's something that's really driving you to have your own RIA to, you know, it allows multi-custody, right? So it kind of opens the doors there. If that becomes something that's important. Oh, that was something that you and I talked about a little bit, a couple, like a year ago. You're like, yeah, that's I know. what I really want to do. That's what I want to do. There is that focus. I'm talking about Vikings and RIA. So here we are. I'm announcing you are the first that is hearing it. So that is, that's new. That's big. Um, and so that evolution, it kind of goes back to that prerogative, right? Where it's like, we don't want to limit anybody. These are independent business owners. They need to have choice. So that is something I feel is um, new and exciting. And wow, then the that's other... big. For those of you that aren't watching this on YouTube, um, uh, you should watch it on YouTube. And I'm, I'm the expression on my face because I'm sort of the 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 gravity of that announcement is is going to shock some. It's going to really shake some things up here in the industry. Wow. Okay. Good so for now you. you know why I stalled our last meeting when I said, hey, I kind of have some things. So yeah. that's why I stalled. So here we are. It's official. I can tell you about it. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing, and, and this is, you know, for any advisor, whether they're, um, they want to launch their own independent RIA or if they want to join corporate, is our real estate services. So we knew that was important. We We got a lot of attention. We had... Like that is the thing that makes the advisors light up. It's the brand. It's the real estate. It's like this is this is my moment, right? I am unlocking the doors to my new place. So we have evolved that. We have added uh, resources and expertise and other design elements to make sure that the teams that still they want to go quick, easy, turnkey, they can do it. But for the teams that want to really build it out. We bring in a design firm. They actually go to this design center in which it's like minority report. There's this, an entire wall of, of technology, right? And they're seeing their floor plan up and they're moving walls and they're putting furniture in different places. And then they're walking this showroom and they're sitting in all of the different furniture. They're touching all of the fabrics and the finishes and they're seeing their actual, their their new office come to life on screen. Um, and that has been an incredible process to watch. Uh, so uh, you'll see some, some collateral coming out from us. We vi videotaped some of this experience and so it'll, it'll come out soon, but it's been a, it's been a great addition and it helps these teams feel like they're, they're like launching with longevity, right? It's a powerful move to really have designed that space from the beginning. So, um, so that's cool. So those are two new, new elements. Um, and one of our teams really took advantage of, um, that real estate piece. Well, let me ask so you a question. Let me ask you a question about that. If I don't, if I don't mean to interrupt, but because this is something that I, uh, I see different schools of thought on, on the real estate component, right? There, well, there's one school of thought that, you know, yeah, you get, you get excited. I get excited about real estate and building offices out and all that other stuff. It's really exciting. How do you handle um, or do you suggest to everybody that they do they do that out of the gate, right? Because then there's other school of thought is don't do that out of the gate. Get your footing, figure out where you really want to be uh, before you go and sign a lease, take down space and buy furniture that only fits that space and 
Like, what's your recommendation there to people that are struggling with this idea? And maybe that's giving them a reason to not move yet because they're 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 afraid to make the wrong choice. So I completely agree with you. I do not think space is important for everybody. I think there's certain teams that know where they want to be. They're in a specific market, and that is part of their brand. That is part of who they are. And and launching with that ribbon cutting, you know, grand opening, that's going to be critical. And they are investing enough in excess space, right? I think that like, if you're willing to do this, you are making sure that you have empty offices, you have a plan for expansion, you have a right of first refusal to the suite next to you, because you will grow and you will outgrow that space. So that is 100% on the, the, the kind of the far end of the scale, like this is what they want to do, makes sense. On the opposite end, you've got people that say, I do all of my meetings on the road. I do not have a single hub. I don't need to spend that money. And I also don't think my clients would appreciate coming into the premium space. They'd start looking at like, where's my money going? Right. I, I actually don't want that. That's part of my brand is I meet my clients where they are because they're front and center for me. And, um, you know, I keep fees down and, and I don't invest in overhead that's not necessary. It's a totally different firm and a totally different story. And so we take those firms and we say, all right, do we want Regis space, right? Office, like some kind of a corporate office suite. Do you want something that you have the ability to, to sit in conference rooms all over the country? Right. Because that's an option, right? Is if you've got clients all over the, you know, all over the country, Make sure that you can still see them in a professional setting. Work from home. We set them up. We'll set up all their tech at home. So we make sure that we're having that conversation with them. And then the teams that are in the middle, which is most of our team, they want the space. They want the brand. They want the legacy. But they are not comfortable really going crazy on on the excess space. And half of them are happy with that decision and they're good and they're there. Half of them are outgrowing it, and we are how like we are having conversations three years in, saying, "What do we do now? Right? Do we have a satellite location? Do we build out something else? Do we wait for another anchor team? Do we just bite the bullet and invest in larger space? Right? So that's okay too. You don't have to know when you launch, and we're there to help them think through it when they when they do. When we helped open up Claritas, uh, Brian Lynn is a good client of ours. <laughs> He always laughs. I'm sure he's told you this story. I walked in. I went. You didn't get enough space. And like he's within the one six I was months, talking about <laughs> yeah, within six months, they were they were you know because we helped them and you helped them br- bring a couple of tuck ins, and uh, it was funny. Um, and and uh, and you know, and he's. I don't want to say it's a, it's been a um, it's been a, a a detriment to him recruiting, but he's at a point now where he's like he has to make that next critical decision. Um, I think he should expand because I, I told him he should have gotten it. You know, look, it's new, right? He, he, they, he came from a, from a wire type firm. Um, and some of those expenses, when you start to see what rent costs and what it costs to buy a desk and chairs and, you know, you, you want to say, oh, I don't need that many. But reality is you have to look at where you're going, where you want to go and prepare for that, um, build it and they will come sort of thing. That is a great story because 
we're at that point. And I was meeting with, with Brian and, and Jim in that office um, and John was there, there too. And we were working on like, what is their strategy? Because they are at an inflection point. It is, do we expand here? Do we open a satellite office? Do we move and actually have somebody in a different state and free up office space that way? And Brian said something really interesting. He said, I was listening to Dan and Dan was saying that at any good CEO, after about three years, they have to reinvent the company. They have to change in order to evolve. It's like, you know, to me, it's like a snake shedding its skin, right? Like, and if you're going to keep going, you've got to make some changes. And he says, I didn't realize it, but we're there, right? We are now three years in and we're ready for that. Like, it's like, I think they didn't, they never thought they would be ready three years in for this kind of decision, but the referrals that they're getting, the growth that they're having, like they are trying to figure out what is the right place for them um, in terms of their next steps. What does Claritas want to be? And they don't have to do it on their own, right? They're meeting with me. They're meeting with their business strategist. They're meeting with their CFO. And we're all doing this together to help them feel really good about that next step. Yeah, cool. So let, let's, um, unless you have any other major announcements, like. No, those are my major announcements. Got it. Awesome. That'd be great. Um. So I know you brought over, you also brought over a large, um, I think it was a Merrill team. Um, maybe talk a little bit about that one, because I think that um, some people might be surprised. People look at Merrill advisors and say, well, their businesses are really sophisticated and they have all these other things and probably not, 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 not a good fit for a firm like LPL, which clearly isn't the case. So maybe talk a little bit about that, that move. You're right. So like I mentioned, like they each came for different reasons. And the, the Merrill team, his focus is ultimately on high net worth, ultra high net worth families. And he's trying to figure out, he's like, all right, independence and, and having the, be- the access to the best of everything is the best way for me to serve these families. I can go out. He's, he's looking, he's pushing me to go multi-custody, right? Like that's his, his big push because he wants to be able to pull the best of everything, you know, whether it's, it's a charitable um, opportunity somewhere else, right? Wants to bring it all in. He is heavily invested in uh, his technology, his performance technology, because it is aggregating across multiple custodians and bringing all of that in for him to advise and manage. And that that is a big thing for him because he couldn't see it and couldn't do that at Merrill. So he was only a partial, he had only had a partial view. So that, uh, that aspect is huge for him. It's going to, you know, no proprietary product, being able to find the best providers for his clients. Like that is all really what drove him to independence. Uh, he feels that that's the best way to serve those high net worth clients. So he's, that is absolutely his his direction, his goals. Um, and he's not looking to, I think, expand his space. Like he's not one that went that direction. He's looking to deepen his practice. Got it. It's interesting. So deepen his practice versus versus build it out wider with more more headcount. And clearly he found in LPL that he that he wasn't going to be missing out on any anything to the ultra high net worth client. I think, and, I, and I'm glad you said that, that it, and I really, didn't really know that was going to be your answer. Uh, I don't know that client that weren't our client, um, but I think that that is one of the things that there's a misnomer about a firm like LPL and, and a lot of independent firms, but LPL that, you know, you can't 
support a ultra high net worth client. If you want to build a family office, you have to go to some other fancy firm uh, with banking and all this other stuff. And the reality is you guys do it just as well. Trust services, you know, high net worth client services. So. Yep. He's tapping, he's tapping into the trust services. He's tapping into the private client team. He's working through the the private client uh, services network, right? So where he's accessing outside experts to come in for tax advice. He's leveraging several of our, of our banking partners on um, kind of lending rates and cash rates, right? So like he's he is taking the best of the industry and pulling it together, and um, the the hub of that is LPL. Awesome. I want to go back to this this um, your hybrid model for a minute here, and 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 peel the onion back a little bit on this. Can you maybe go a little bit deeper on on what that really means, right? Meaning, so explain to the audience. Um, so someone's going to move, let's take it that, let's take that guy, for instance, and I'm not sure if that's what he's doing right now, but he, he's moving all of his client assets that go into LPL and then he will have his own RIA or you'll help him build the RIA and then you'll service and, and you'll, you'll be compliance for both sides, even if there's Schwab or Fidelity or whoever, whatever other custodian he works with. Little different there. So what we're going to do pictures, just somebody who's you know, launching their, they're, they're going to launch their own RIA. That's, they're coming from a wire. They're launching their own RIA. All of the traditional strategic wealth services elements are in place. The upfront transition assistance, the, um, all of the, the service and support on real estate and benefits and their legal. The thing that's going to be added for that team is that they're going to also, we're going to pay to have their RIA and we're going to pay to have their compliance program created and their compliance manual. And then that, all of the consulting that needs to happen on teaching them that like, you are actually going to be the CCO, right? The CCO of your RIA, so of your advisory business, you are going to be responsible. So we make sure that we've built in like hours with our legal teams to teach them how to do that. Most of those Firms are going to pick to outsource that, and that'll be on their own, right? They're going to outsource that to a compliance firm to help them. Where LPL is going to stay in place is we are still the supervisor and their support engine on all of their brokerage business because for a strategic wealth hybrid, they still need to have some connectivity to LPL in order for us to do our best work on servicing the team, right? Like the the model is still about servicing the team. So you've got your service support team. You've got your supervisor who's working on the brokerage side of the business, your admin, like CFO, all of that. So that connectivity allows us to still kind of be that guide on the brokerage side, but they'll have their own kind of their own path on the um, compliance on the other side of the house. Right. And obviously it would be easier if they we used LPL as a custodian if they want their own RA, which I think many people don't realize that LPL is, uh, I think, maybe the fourth largest custodian right now. And probably something tells me that Dan wants to be number one. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think I hear the, the third largest custodian, right? Number one broker dealer. And you're right. Like it is, it is going to be easier, better. The more connected you are to LPL, the better everything is because we can see it, we can touch it, we can be the one person that your one single service team. As you start to then have another custodian in the mix, you're adding a second service team, a second, you know, um, partner 
but we we want to make sure that for the advisors that feel that that's important that they can do that right and i th- i think what that shows um is you know you, it's a your lpl is a, a large firm right you're you know 22,000 advisors whatever the number is uh, you know you're larger than most of the wirehouses but what i've been um impressed with and specifically like in in, in your business line and i know that and i I have a little inside baseball because of my relationship with Brian that um, your willingness, your willingness, so Kimberly's willingness and LPL's willingness to figure stuff out, to adjust on the fly, to pivot, right? To, to you know, the, this RIA thing. But I know there was some pricing things that the way you price today isn't how you price at the beginning because you were like, oh, we didn't think about that. That's um, right. That is absolutely right, and that's like what I said in the in the beginning. Like we won't stop evolving, right? Because like, and this was Brian. Like the rest of the future of strategic wealth, the current of strategic wealth, can all thank Brian Lynn for complaining about ticket charges on brokerage. Um, we just didn't think it was that important. We thought everyone was going to be focused on advisory and that that's what we were talking about. We were waiving all of the ticket charges and the fees and the platform fees on advisory. And he's like, this is just driving me crazy because I, I have all these caveats when I'm telling a new recruit who's coming in or I'm telling my client, there's no ticket charges except for on brokerage. And so it was like, all right, like you're right. Like it, it's not a good user experience. So we waived those. We, we kind of took that financial hit and said, all right, we're, we're done. We're take, we're, we will waive that for the client experience. And on the flip side, we also started to hear feedback as we were growing, kind of to your point, you got all these billion dollar teams coming in, you know, center of gravity, north of 500 million. They were saying, we're not getting the benefits of scale the way we should, right? The way your pricing grid is, is like you're really benefiting as we grow. Like if I double, if I become $2 billion, like it's all you. Right. Like that's where it's all that's where it's going. So we completely redesigned the model um, so that now we are really focused on servicing those large teams better. So the pricing on advisory came down. The grid is much more narrow. So you progress through that that scaling much faster on advisory so that it you really are incentivized to bring on that next big family or to bring on that tuck in or that acquisition or and to grow because you really do see the benefit of that as you grow the flip side of that is we do now have a minimum fee um because we needed to make sure like if we're going to be doing that we've got to bring we've got to make sure that the that the center of gravity continues to to shift upwards you're right. And you started off, I think the minimum initially was 250 million in AUM to, to, uh, uh, to affiliate. And I think it's at least 300, if not, is it, do you think, do you envision it going higher? I would say what we, what we've done, and this is again, feedback, right? So originally we had a minimum. Now we do not have a minimum, but we have the fee because there are some advisors that are, will they don't want to be boxed out. They're like, no, this is what I want. I don't care if I have to pay because I have a vision of growing. I have a vision of a tuck-in coming. I know my partner's going to leave right after me and we're going to be fine. So they didn't want to be boxed out. So now it's like, fine, if, if that's what you want and you're willing to come in, you know, probably the, the that break point's about 400 million where you're like, 
the speed feels the same as everybody else. Below that, that's something that they're making a decision. Yeah, it's a premium. They're making a decision to do it. Okay. And the way that works for, for the audience, just to be clear, they essentially get a hundred percent payout and then there's, and then there's an admin fee cost that covers everything. Everything. Yep. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's, um, I think people should understand that, um, it's not like you get a 90% payout and then you have this admin fee. It's a hundred percent. So every dollar, and then it's again, rev top line revenue comes in the admin fee is essentially a, 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 an all-encompassing um, operational expense uh, to run the practice. And then you have your gross revenue and all the other local expenses. And that's what makes it so easy for the CFOs to work with the advisors, right? Is because they're able to sit there and say, all right, let's really focus on the expenses you have control over. You know, how are you paying your staff? Do you really need to expand or can you lean heavier on strategic wealth and like kind of avoid that? that new CSA? Can you push that off? Um, and I think that that's really been great because they focus on their basically three big expenses. They, their space. So what are you paying in terms of rent and the maintenance of that space? What are you paying for your staff? So you have to pay their salaries, you have to pay their bonuses and their contribution to benefits, whatever you're paying for them. And then you handle your client expenses. So that's your client entertainment, your business development. Like, other than that, it's all in that single fee. So it's really, they're able to control things much better. That's what makes um, the aspect of recruiting into the space and tuck-ins and acquisitions really important because, you know, I think when we when we talk about tuck-ins, everyone always looks at, well, what's my spread between my payout and what I'm paying the advisor? But in, with this model, it's more than that because, if you bring in an advisor with fifty million or a hundred million dollars, and and they put you at and they put you at another grid level, right where your admin fee goes down, now all of a sudden, not only did you get the benefit of the override of that advisor, but you just lowered your admin fee by whatever it is, one or two basis points across your whole business. Yep, yep, and it's also you know the other piece of it is if you're out there on your own you're having, really having to create, what is my value proposition for someone? Why, why do they want to pay me, right? Why do they want to pay me that spread? Because you're right. The spread's like, that's, that's the conversation on both sides. I don't want to pay the spread. I want the spread. But for strategic wealth, we're coming in, we're helping them say like, look, this is what you're providing. You're providing all of your tech, all of their tech, all of their licenses. You're handling all of their fees, their FINRA fees, their SIPC fees, all of that, your annual state licensing fees. Like we're giving them like, this is everything that is part of your value proposition now. We don't even put strategic wealth on those offer letters. Like this, their offer letter, it's a Claritas offer. It's a river's edge offer. And so we're helping them with these are the things that because of your affiliation, you're able to give them. And I think that's been, a, that's been a, another aha for our advisors is that that makes them much more powerful in the marketplace, even in terms of the acquisition side, right? We've been talking about tuck-ins, but a lot of our advisors are going through premium buyer and actually looking at buying books of business. So like that, that strength and stability helps send them kind of to the front of the line. Not only do they have the first look, but they show up in a different way. 
right? They show up very professional. This is what my client experience is. This is how I'll take care of your clients, right? So it helps pull them to the front of the line on acquisition. Wow. Okay. Like I said before, uh, we can keep going on call on our calls because we can go down a whole another rabbit hole. Premium buyer services is a whole nother conversation um, that LPL offers, but not not for the, not for today. So you all have to wait till till I do that one. Um, anyway, uh, so, so in the interest of time, like any last minute, you know, um, any things that I think you, that are that you feel are really important for the audience to know if they're considering looking at not just LPL, but in particular, but with strategic wealth services, like what are the, what are the one or two takeaways that they should, you know, as they're getting off these calls, remember? I think the number one is that you, you're in control of your own destiny, right? And so do the due diligence and look and, and decide where do you want to be now? And where do you want to be five years from now, 10 years from now, and know that you don't have to bite all of it off at one time. Because I do think that that sometimes, like you said, even with the real estate, right? Sometimes it becomes a analysis, because, you know, analysis paralysis, because it's too much. Don't do that to yourself. Make the leap now, right? Join the corporate RIA. Don't take on too much space. Get your get figure it out right. We're going to be there to help you grow and evolve as you, as you as you're ready. Whether that's the soonest, right? One year, all of a sudden you're expanding, or if it's five years, right? You get your you know sea legs, and and now it's time to make some changes. We're going to be there throughout um, that entire life cycle. So I think that's like the big one. Awesome. And so um, if if they want you to be there and they're interested in learning more, um, obviously they can reach out to me. Um, at Frank at EliteConsultingPartners.com. But where else would they find some information on uh, strategic wealth services and any of the other LPL options? So the, the best place to go is LPL.com, join LPL, because then you'll see all of the different options. You'll be connected to a local recruiter that is able to come in and be that business development consultant. And they talk about all models. Um, if you've got questions directly about strategic wealth and you want to talk to me, just hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, I can be found pretty easily, but I, I think that's the best place. Okay. Awesome. Well, Kimberly, thank you very much. I was excited. Um, I was I was a little disappointed that we had to push it back last time, but now I'm excited and I understand why. Uh, so that's really great. Um, that's that's going to really, I think, send some some shockwaves um, across the across the industry. So. Um, but thank you very much for your time. For my listeners, check her out. Go hit her up on our LinkedIn page. Uh, for me, don't forget uh, to check out my my Instagram page at franklarosa.elite. Check us out. If you're listening to this on on, on iTunes or podcast, check us out on Advisor Talk with Frank Rose on YouTube. And you can and you can see Kimberly and I and how animated we get about these particular topics because uh, we love doing what we're doing and these types of new, exciting things helping advisors in ways that maybe they, they never thought were possible before. So it's it's awesome. So Kimberly, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll do another one of these again before the end of the year. It was my pleasure. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts.